Open up your Bibles. You can either go to Matthew chapter 1 or Luke chapter 1. We're going to be in both of those back and forth. So, This morning I have 10 points, so get comfortable. I usually have three, right? I usually have three. Uh, but this morning I have 10. I don't know if I am, but we'll see. We'll see if I make it. Uh, this morning, what I want to talk to you about is a theme that I, I come back to every Christmas. And there's different characters in the Christmas story. There's Mary Joseph, there's the shepherds, there's the wise men, there's uh, the, you know, the authorities, there's the town of Bethlehem, there's Herod himself. And you, you look at how uh, the coming of Christ affected each one. And, and really, the central figure is Jesus himself. But as he came to the earth, it changed everything. Uh, well, at least for some. Some stayed on the same path that they were going, even with Jesus being present in their midst. And this morning, I want to just run down for you how you meet a Savior and a King how you greet Him, how you accept Him, and how, what your response should be to them. And I want to show you both uh, bad examples and good examples of how you meet the Savior, how you meet the King. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, uh, this is uh, the angel speaking. And uh, just a commercial, next week, uh, the kids are going to be sharing with us how it actually happened. It's going to be just like it, uh, the birth of Jesus. And uh, if you can't uh, handle any chaos in your life, don't come to church next week, okay? I want you to come. You should come. It'll be good for your soul. Uh, but, you know, if you can't handle any chaos, I just, I'm warning you, there's going to be chaos next week. Uh, I also wanted to tell you that uh, if you're sitting too close to the people around you, you could come to the second service. There's always plenty of free seating, okay? Uh, plenty of free seating, okay? So I wanted to tell you that. Uh, the angel spoke, and, and this is what the angel said, Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This message went really to all the people we're going to look at this morning. It was a message spoken by the angel or the angels to the shepherds. Uh, Mary got the message. Joseph got the message. Herod, uh, he thought about the message. You know, like he, he didn't get it, but he heard that it was coming and he got nervous about it. Uh, you, you look at this. Bethlehem, they had a visitation of Mary and Joseph and they knew that the baby was going to be born. Not necessarily Jesus, but they heard the message. They heard that there was someone going to be born, a special one. And so this message, if you look at what the angel was saying in the city of David, a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I want to put it to you this way. You could say that as Savior and Lord or Savior and King. We've been looking the last, I don't know, long time at the book of Matthew where Jesus presents himself as a king and a new kind of king, a different kind of king. And I want to tell you that that's 
who Jesus, as he was born, he was born a king. He was born a king. He was born the Savior and King. And as you think about that, you can imagine yourself coming before a Savior and a King. How would you receive Him? How would you meet Him? How would you greet Him? How would your relationship be after you've met Him? And as we think about this, I want to give you, like I said, good and bad examples of how he was received. The first one, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 46, this is the right kind of meeting. And this is especially uh, interesting and uh, wonderful because it deals with pregnancy. Um, I've never been pregnant. I don't know if you know this, but my wife has been pregnant. And I've been able to see many of you ladies be pregnant with little ones. And it's just a, a fascinating and, and mysterious and magical time where you realize that something bigger is happening with you um, and that this is going to be so special. And the birth of a child is such an amazing thing. And this uh, portion of the, the story as Mary is spoken to from the angel, we, we see this, and it's just, uh, it's just great. In verse 46 of chapter 1, this is Mary's response to the message to her that she was, gonna, uh, that she was pregnant and was going to have a child. This is what Mary said. And there, it's a long, longer passage, but this is how she viewed this event of her own pregnancy. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on, a humble, uh, on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. As Mary heard of this, as Mary understood just a small portion of what was to happen, she rejoiced. She praised the Lord. As she, what was going on inside of her body, who, who met Jesus first? Well, you could say Mary did, right? Uh, moms know that even they, they have this special bond that's going on. Uh, husbands, fathers are standing back going, When's this thing going to get here? You know, and uh, for months prior, uh, the mother is as being with the child. And, and you see this beautiful picture. And Mary, what did she do? What was her response? Praise the Lord. This is an amazing thing. I am blessed because I get to be the mother of the Savior. And for her to connect, I need to magnify the Lord. That this is the, the, the when I come to grips that, that he is coming, I bless the Lord. So, so you say, well, what does this have to do with me? I, I want to say, this is the way to greet the Savior. Your life's moving on and going on. You're living life. You're doing whatever you're doing. You're involved in whatever you're doing. And, and then you come and you meet the Savior. You hear the story of Jesus, the good news of the gospel. And you say, well, how should my life be changed? Magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. 
I hope we're going to get there in January. I hope to talk about how we live in a world that we live in. And one of the things that we should be mindful and thinking of all the time is because I know the Lord, how can my life be used to glorify Him? How can I magnify Him? How can I somehow have my life point to Him? Because He is so great. And this is Mary's right response. It's the right kind of meeting of Jesus. When Jesus enters really into her body, into her womb, she takes it and she says, I need to magnify the Lord. This is what a, a right response is to meeting your Savior and your King. You can uh, flip over a few books towards uh, the beginning of the Bible to the book of Matthew. And chapter 2, you have uh, um, some verses that talk about really the, the section that connect to the wise men, but there's a Herod is the reason uh, that it's kind of focused around his kingdom, his response in Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, When Herod the king heard this, remember the, the wise men came and they asked, Where's the king? Um, that's a bummer when you're the king and they ask you where the king is. If they're saying, Who's in charge? And you feel like you're in charge. And there was this conversation that went back and forth and he said, he said No, I'm the king. And they said, No, 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 the new king. <laughs> the new king. There's a threat. And, and Herod's, uh, this is, you look at verse 3, it says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. He was troubled. His first response was, was not, uh, who is this? Maybe he'd be better than me. Who is this? Maybe I too should become one of his subjects. This is a problem with power and fame. This is a problem with money. This is a, a, a problem with position. We want to be great. We want to find ourselves to be the best. Uh, on top of the pyramid, we want ourselves to be better. The boss and not the employee. And when you encounter Jesus, it doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter your position, your finances, wherever. It, it, it's a place for you to step down. But Herod was troubled. And then you skip down in Matthew chapter 2 to verse 16. It says, uh, then Herod, uh, so you remember, wise men went and found Jesus. They realized they shouldn't come back. They were uh, to tell Herod, so they went back another way so they wouldn't have to go and, and speak with Herod. In verse 16 it says, Then Her Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he ascertained from the wise men. Uh, this is the wrong kind of meeting of Jesus. This is the wrong kind of embracing the truth that the new king is here. Herod, 
Uh, his response was, I will cling to my position and power and money and luxuries and things. I will cling to it to my dying death, even so much so that I would kill uh, these little baby boys in the region of Bethlehem. You've got to be pretty sick to do that, right? Uh, this is what sin does. If you do not repent, if you do not give up, if you do not submit to the new king, guess what? You'll do things you'll never, you'd never imagine. Things that people can't uh, put the, connect the dots and say, this isn't a logical next step. Why did this happen? Because Herod didn't say, I need to go find this king that I too might worship, that I too might bow my knee, that I would, grant, I would take my crown off and hand it to him. It's not the right way, and yet some of us do this today. We have a right kind of meeting in Mary and the wrong kind in Herod. You want to flip back to Matthew chapter 1, you can see how Joseph dealt with this. And Joseph, boy, this would be a difficult one as a man not knowing of how all this comes together. But Joseph, um, <clears throat> if you look at chapter 1 verse 19, I'd say it this way, Joseph embraced the plan of God. In Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 19, it says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus where he will save his people from their sins. Obviously, this isn't a meeting. Uh, Joseph doesn't meet Jesus at this point. He gets the message from the angel. He gets the plan of God laid out before him. It wasn't his plan. Uh, he, his plan was to get married. His plan was to take uh, this woman as his wife and in the process and uh, many times we connect this with engagement. It's much more than that. It's much more than that. It was actual marriage that just hadn't been consummated over the year. And, and so uh, Joseph is looking at this and he's saying, divorce her quietly. What should I do? How should all this come together? The angel shares with him the plan. It's good. Your wife is fine. She is righteous. Okay? Take her as your wife. Take her as your wife. Name the Son Jesus. I kind of thought I was going to name him Joseph. Uh, you know, I, I had some other ideas, some family names, you know. He has put the plan before him that's a different plan than his own. If you skip down to verse 24, um, this is part of the dream and it says this, um, after this dream is done, verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. How did Joseph proceed after uh, seeing the plan of God? He embraced it. He embraced it. Especially, well, really for any phase of life, but especially for the young, you say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to have. This is where I'm going to live. This is what it's going to look like. And I, I want to tell you 
that that's not what it is to be a follower of Jesus. That's not the impact that it has on a life when they've been saved. They, they are granted a savior and a king. Guess what? The king decides. The king decides. And for Joseph, as Jesus entered his life and family, guess what he did? He embraced the plan of his, uh, to have this wife. He embraced the plan that this woman was to be born, even in Bethlehem, or this child was to be born, even in Bethlehem. And that his name was to be Jesus. Why? Because it was the plan of God, not the plan of man. So Joseph, he responds properly. I don't want to take a lot of time because I think it's a bit of a, a stretch. But you can consider the whole town of Bethlehem. You have Mary, you have Herod, you have Joseph. You can consider the whole town of Bethlehem. In Luke chapter 2, um, we get this one very um, confusing detail that has been made much of in history. But I think that, that it, it just doesn't sit right with any of us that they go to a town, they travel to a town with a pregnant woman ready to give birth. And, and you look at this and you say, oh, someone would give up their spot. There would be a place for that. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. And then it says, Because there was no place for them in the inn. There's no place for them. I want to tell you, that wasn't right. That wasn't right. We know that, right? If, if the king of all creation is to come down to earth, he should get whatever he wants. The red carpet should be rolled out. Our houses should be abandoned that he could come in. That, and it shouldn't be just, you know, we should decide whose house is best or whose house he wants, you know. We, there should be this, whatever you want, Jesus, whatever you would have, Mary, whatever you would have, Joseph, because this is special. This is more important than anything we got going on. And yet the town of Bethlehem did not stop. They did not make room. Uh, they went about their business as if Jesus didn't matter. Then you have the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. It says, When the angels went away, the angels had spoke to the shepherds, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they, uh, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who, who, who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in, their, in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I love the, the shepherds because uh, I could picture myself as one of those reckless men uh, just hanging out you know, by the fire, whatever they were doing, counting sheep, telling big stories, fishing stories and stuff like that. I caught one this big. you know, this, and, and yet... When the angels came and spoke to them, they said, let's go. 
And in haste, they went. They, 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 were, they were running. They were saying, we got to get there. we got to figure this out. This has been amazing. And as they came and as they saw Jesus, what did they do? Their response, glorifying and praising God. What should we be doing? What is the proper response? Glorifying and praising God. It's to look around and to say, yeah, all this is just stuff. All this is just chaos. This world isn't chaos. But guess what? The Savior has been born. And in, and in Him, I praise you, God, for your gift of your Son. I, I, I glorify, I magnify you. Why? Because of what you have done for us. The shepherds got it right. You can also look to the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. It's only a couple of passages. I realize some of you are going, he's making us flip back and forth. Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, the wise men... Um, you remember that was the Herod deal, right? And after listening to the king, they went, uh, went on their way, and behold, the star that, had seen, that, that they had seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You get it? Is that a good example or a bad example? It's a good example. They were probably powerful men, smart guys, educated. They'd gone to the universities. Full-ride scholarships because of grades. And yet, as they put it all together, as they found the place, what did they do? They rejoiced. It's interesting. Uh, rich people are, hold it together better than shepherds usually, right? But what does it say about them? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, right? It just exploded out through them. Why? Because they had come before the Savior King, what did they do? They worshiped. They fell down and worshiped him. And they took their riches that they had and they placed it before him. Why? Because they wanted to give. Why did they want to give? Because what they had seen in Jesus was more worthy than their riches. It was, it was something to give. It was, it, was, it was the best they had. You see it in the wise men. Okay, we're jumping around a little bit. Matthew chapter 4. And you say, wait, that's not the Christmas story. I want to play this out for you a little bit. I want to play this out for you. The book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 20. Jesus calls some fishermen. They'd been fishing. They're, that's what they do for a living. He calls to them. He calls them to follow him. And, and what, what happens? What is their response? Chapter 4, verse 20 says, Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Here's my schedule. Here's my tools. Here's all that I'm doing. I leave it because who you are is more significant than what I've been doing. You say, boy, that's a big deal. I flip over a few more pages. Matthew chapter 9 happens again. Not with stinky fishermen. But a tax collector, a tax collector. In chapter 9, verse 9, it says, And Jesus passed from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And what did he do? 
rose and followed him. Tax collector's booth. He left his career, lucrative career, making big bucks, taking people for all they're worth. He left that and followed him. This is the right response to finding and knowing the Savior King. A couple more. The Pharisees. You don't have to turn because it's really uh, throughout the Gospels, but especially in the book of Matthew. And if you remember, uh, those of you who have been here for a while and you've been with us in our study of the book of Matthew, how did the Pharisees and the religious leaders, how did they respond to meeting the Savior King? What about this? Aha, we got gotcha. you. You're not doing it right. You, you're doing it wrong. I'm pointing out to you where you're doing it wrong, Jesus. This is how they treated meeting the Savior King. The religious leaders saw themselves as over him. They saw themselves as more important than him. They saw themselves as smarter. They argued with him. They questioned him with arms folded. Judgment gavel in hand. That was their relationship with Jesus. And then Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. We'll get there pretty soon, actually, in our study. Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. A young man comes with wealth. Uh, A person of position. He comes to Jesus and he says, How do I get eternal life? Like, how can I get there? What, What can I do? What can I do? What is it that I need to do? Jesus spoke to him. Verse 21, Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. Jesus said to him, if you, would be, if you would be perfect, go sell all you possess and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Verse 22 says this, When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He says, I would come and follow you, but if it makes uh, me give up all that I have, that's bad news for me. The right response to Jesus is to say, all that I have is not all worth all that I can have in you. Jesus, the, the Savior King. This morning, I, I have really an 11th point. Just goes like this. It's, it's waiting to be written. It's waiting to be spoken. And I just ask this question. How about you? How about you? How do you uh, respond? How do you meet? How do you greet? How do you accept Jesus who's both a Savior and a King? Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being able to be in your word, uh, to reflect on how different people um, accepted or rejected your son. God, I pray for those here this morning that they would embrace your son wholeheartedly in relationship, in saving relationship, that they would uh, be saved from their sins and also receive him as Lord that he might be the, the one who guides them step by step today. God, do your work and your people. Draw us to yourself. Remind us of your goodness. 
uh, fit us to worship, uh, that we might rejoice at the birth of the Savior, your Son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed. God, our Redeemer and friend, the Savior of fallen man, you who fashion the stars, work on our hearts, bring us closer to loving you. Matchless Messiah, our Lord. Too holy for us to behold You who calm every storm Who work on our souls May our faith strengthen in you Oh weary heart rejoice May your love in God increase Live.